One shot at a time. Welcome back to the Enjoy the Walk podcast. Uh, as always, we want to thank you guys, the listeners, for joining us. Uh, Isaiah still moving into his apartment and getting his schedule figured out. So he's uh, MIA again this week. But we got Dante in the house, and uh, we're ready to recap some Arnold Palmer Invitational because, boy, what a weekend. What a week, in, I guess, in general that was. It was. But before we get into that, I got to get this off my chest. I, uh, I did send the putter finally to Isaiah, if those were ever wondering, uh, after Steve was uh, uh, busting my balls about that one. It we should have taken way. bets over under if you were ever going to give it away because I think some podcast listeners, when they were chiming in on our last podcast were, uh, with Steve, were pretty much saying, Dante's never giving that thing up. He's going to switch to lefty. He's going left-hand low, and he's just going uh, to rock the lefty putter, and Isaiah is just going to, Constantly be wondering where his S-dot putter goes. Well, I mean, I, I did reach out to him, and luckily he did say he totally forgot about it since he's been so busy with all with the move and everything. So that was a little kind of uh, less pressure off my back here. You but caught the man at a good time. I did. I did because I was sitting there, sitting on my wall. It took me maybe a few days to put the head cover onto the putter head, and then it took me a few days to finally get the box out of my closet. And then it took me another couple of days to actually put the putter into the box, tape it up, and actually take it to the to the post office. So for anyone who orders things from our website, I just want to let you know Dante does not do our merchandise movement. So you actually will get things on time, and uh, it will not take five weeks for you to get your merchandise from in www.enjoythewalk.store. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's I'm, I'm super happy he's finally going to actually be able to put his hands on that S dot putter. Because as we talked about last week, man, S dot uh, Steve over there with S dot just does some amazing work. Um, yeah, but back to Arnold Palmer, Invitational. It's always First a great off, one. As always, highly contested coming down the stretch. Um, people making double bogeys out of ev- like everywhere. There wasn't a hole in that course this week that was like not prone to double bogeys i don't know if it was the weather being like whipping winds or you have it but uh i mean it was just awesome to see it it was major championship-esque this weekend and that's and that's something i like too because we always talk about how like we can get into it too the distance report and how that plays and these guys you know oh they're hitting it too far they're overpowering the courses the scores are too low yet I enjoyed watching this because the weather did come into play and it seemed like it was mostly wind. If correct me if I'm wrong to no, me, it seemed like it was pretty and windy. It was, it was fun to see from the wind side of things, I think, because um, there were some holes that were so dead downwind guys actually had, they hit it so far that distance was a problem for the longer hitters. They couldn't hit a fairway. They couldn't find the fairway because they hit it so far. Rory hit one. I believe it was on five or six, uh, big dog leg, right? Where he hit such a hard cut. He hit it like 358. It still had no chance at finding the fairway. Even, I mean, it was just, it was so windy. The wind played such a big issue that the longer you hit it, it was actually way more of a struggle to find the fairway. I, I actually saw that. Actually, it was that par five, six hole. It was actually a dog leg left. It was, and they were going over yeah, the yeah. water. He cut it. So it was funny because most of the tournament that I watched was on Sunday and I was actually at a bowling tournament during the day, which 
come and think about it, I wish I was actually outside playing golf because the way I the way I bowled was absolutely dog shit. Side note, man, northeastern United States got some beautiful weather this weekend. Yeah. I swear every time come on every, man. Every time I sign up for this tournament, it's around this time and it's always when that weather is turning and you get that one weekend where it just spikes and it's completely gorgeous. It happens to me every year. But after today, I might not do it. I don't know. We'll see. But I was watching that because I looked at my I looked at my uh, playing partner and I looked at him. I said it was funny, cool because we had a TV right above the lanes we were on. We had a TV and the guy put the golf on. And my buddy Rob looked at me. He goes, "You asked them for this?" I was like, "No, but I'm glad that they did." So we had the we had the tournament on, and we're sitting there watching it. And Rory comes up to that tee box, and he's I guess the wind was down downwind but off like coming off to the left of him a little bit crossing towards the water wasn't it was it i i don't know but all i know is i i nudged him and i said look at this rory was up and he was aiming so far left (laughs) and he i said he's gonna cut this in and he's going over the water and he's gonna cut as much as the much as the hole off as possible watch he hits this cut and you just watch this ball and it hits the fairway or the fringe or the or the fringe or whatever, and then just takes this hard bounce and then goes into and basically he had to hit a recovery shot after that. He actually ended up hitting it, uh, making a double on the hole mm-hmm. after hitting a three hundred and forty eight yard drive. I mean, and and here's where it speaks to: let the guys hit it that far because it takes immense skill to hit it that far and keep it straight or plan on these golf courses to cut or work the ball, a draw, a cut to make these 340 some plus yard drives actually work on these courses. So, I mean, let the guys hit it far. It takes a stupid amount of skill. Yeah, I I agree. Sometimes now that you're making me think, you know, you talk about uh, the older balls, the more spinnier balls, the, you know, the smaller club head, that those used, I mean, if, even if you go back to the persimmon woods, you know, they were able to work the ball a lot more. Mm-hmm. So to me, the equipment seems as if it's a lot harder to work the ball. Most of these balls are coming off like the drivers just coming off yeah. with less spin and it's just going dead straight. So if you have, if you take the equipment now and make them work the ball, it might actually be a lot more difficult. I mean, if anybody wants to, that's my opinion. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, uh, we love we love a good old fashioned debate. Uh, you know, Dante's take right there. If you got to go back and rewind and listen to it again, interact with us on Twitter. Let us know your thoughts uh, at Enjoy the Walk Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Hit us up. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, email us Enjoy the Walk nineteen at Gmail if you uh, if you have a, a serious opinion and, and want to come on the pod and talk about it. We'll have you on. We'll we'll politely discuss things um but yeah that's that's what we're ha- that's what we're about i we, mean let's let's interact yeah we're a podcast after all we're a podcast of the people yeah. we want to hear your opinions so i mean getting to my opinion on this weekend at, at as a sunday down the stretch um there was a point there and i mean the announcers touched on it a little bit terrell hatton is a gem of a professional golfer they touched on it a little bit. He is so candid at his anger issues with himself, but no one else. He, if, you, if you meet him on the street, he's probably one of the nicest human beings you could ever meet. Very down to earth, 
very low key, you know, just like wouldn't hurt a fly unless the flies inside of him because he's got demons inside, man. <laughs> he's got demons. He's a to it. He, he, he will tell you my biggest problem is I love blowing up on myself. Like literally I just love destroying myself after a bad shot. Yeah. We, we would be best friends because my buddy Dan texted me earlier today. He goes, Oh, Hatton's in the lead. Let's see if he can compose himself because he's a hothead like you. And I just started, I just started cracking up. And I told him it's actually passion rather than, rather being a hothead. But man, going back to him, just and it was funny because I saw him at the BMW Championship when it was at Aronimic in Philly a few years ago, and he walked up to the tee, and I think he came off of a hole that it really pissed him off. And he's just standing there. And then he just has that mean mug face on him. And this is, we were, we were discussing this earlier off, off camera, but it was funny because my friend, my friend Brian actually brought it up uh, to me as well. And it makes sense. He reminds me, he reminds me of the guy that you do, you'll see at like a pub. And if a bar fight, comes out at that's not the guy you want to start with above bar fight it all reminds me from you know the uh he just seems like a hard-working class guy that you know he grew up like in like a reminds me of the greatest game ever played where uh harold Var, uh varner and not harold varner he's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get it so and his other buddy uh uh was it ted ted ray Ted Ray. They, they grew up. They grew up in Jersey, and it oh, shows yeah. them at that. They shows them at downstairs at that pub, and then you know they're just hanging out with a bunch of just people, and then the just bar fight scenes comes out. That's that's Terrell Hatton to me. But when they interview him, he's the nicest guy in the world, and that, that's just what that's how more. I see it. Like you said, one he's one of those guys that is just so inner psycho that like would just break the bar stool over his own head and then fight you with like broken bar stool pieces. Like, I mean, shout out to Terrell Hatton and conquering those demons this weekend. <laughs> Cause it was evident coming down the stretch. He hits that yeah. ball in the water on, I think 14, 13 or 14 and starts having what you think is a mental breakdown. Im's like this infallible young rookie. That's probably going to win two times in, in the season already. And then he makes double. So then all of a sudden, Hatton gives up the lead, and then M comes back and just gives him the lead right again. And Leishman, who just, just seems like this big old bloke that just never wavers, kind of just makes a couple mistakes down the stretch. And, and all of a sudden, you got Hatton coming down the last hole. Probably, I think, one of the toughest finishing holes on the tour, especially in tough conditions like today. Especially where that pin is, and everything seems to float down to the water. Oh, that thing is diabolical, man. There's some uh, famous uh, videos of that one too, but no, I I didn't see I didn't see his blow up, so that's why I think I was missing some pieces when he was coming down the stretch. But the last couple of holes, just the shots that he was that he was taking, just to put himself in the in the perfect position to mm -hmm. end up getting the W and claiming the throne of that of that trophy. And do they still give him the red cardigan? They, they still get the ever since 2016, since Palmer's passing, they gave it away. And and now that to speak on who you think Terrell Hatton is, I don't know if you saw his post uh, post win interview, but he said, um, you know, with all due respect to Palmer and the Arnold Palmer Invitational and the organization, uh, the the cardigan's gonna go on a hanger tonight because there's going to be some celebrations. 
Nice. Uh, basically saying him and the boys are going back to the pub and they're getting hammered. <laughs> yeah. Well, and another cool thing is he, he just came off a shoulder surgery. And they, yeah. they asked him, they said, how'd you get through that? And he goes, and that's sort of a lot of things. Uh, what I think is really cool is, you know, our generation can really, really connect with these guys because they're our age now. And he said how he coped with this, uh, this recovery. Mm-hmm. He said, I drank a lot of wine, red wine and played a lot of Xbox. And, and that's what I, that's my so kind of guy, cool, man. He obviously, you know, you said our generation, he was born in 1991. So he's right in our, you know, wheelhouse of, of age range and stuff like that. And it's just these guys that are out there on tour now, man, they're, they're becoming so relatable. They're not the old heads. Now, no offense to who I include in this next piece, but they're not the old heads like, you know, Freddie couples or, uh, VJ Singh or just guys that just are like the old golf mentality. These guys grew up playing Xbox and PlayStation. These guys grew up playing Call of Duty and Halo and, you know, Nintendo 64 or whatever. You know, these guys grew up doing what we grew up doing. And to the masses that I think is becoming the golf, you know, fanship, the viewership is our generation. It's the, you know, 20s to maybe even 40s but even folks in their 40s kind of tasted a little bit of that uh realm i would say mid 30s mid to like i would say like 36 37 i just i might have stretched it by saying 40 yeah i mean it's funny because the guy i battle with at, at my course all the time we butt heads because we're different generation gaps and and it's funny because we're 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 somewhat close but at the same time we're not in on on a growing up level because mm-hmm. <laughs> they'll, they'll tell they'll say stuff and i'll look at them clueless and they're like oh my god really <laughs> but that but that's the cool thing about the game too is that you can share you know the guys that we grew up watching we're now playing with uh, on the pros aspect yeah that's i just think that's that's what's that's pretty much the coolest thing about golf in my now opinion. and i'll and i'll be honest i mean i'm not acting like this never has happened before in sports you know it, it, it it's a generational thing uh the guys that grew up and were the same age as arnold palmer and jack nicholas when they were coming of age and doing their thing on tour i'm sure related to them in a sense of what they were doing in their you know their uh, their daily lives and their interviews and what they said they did on their off time and stuff but um we're getting to the point where our generation is in its prime of being professional golfers, you know, especially the guys like Colin Morikawa, you know, uh, Matt Wolf and Victor Hovland and those guys that are the really young group making headway out there. That's more towards your age, but <laughs> hey, hey, I'm not that young. I'm reasonably, you know, I'm looking at guys. My guys are <laughs> Rory Brooks, Ricky, all them. But yeah, it's, it's, it's cool to see. I just, I love it, man. It's really cool. And my last thing I want to touch on too, uh, just on the candidness of, of Terrell Hatton and just how authentic he is and how just, you know, he doesn't ever hold back when he made that double. Um, I don't know if, you know, the tour caught it and if they, they definitely didn't say anything about it when it happened. Uh, but when he was making his final putt, uh, to, to round out that double and it was actually the 11th hole, um, he gave a good old, Ha! Ah, middle finger right back at the lake just to be like, listen, I've not had enough of you already. We're, we're not done having words. Uh, uh, that's great. So, 
yeah, it was uh, it was cool to see him just battle. I think the things that every you know common man golfer thinks about on a every shot. Um, there's definitely demons in that man's head, and I'm pumped to watch him. He's gained a fan in me to uh, for the rest of the season, uh, bringing his uh, you know inner struggles to light. So loved seeing that. Pop props to Terrell Hatton in the win. Uh, please pop more than enough bubbly for you and the mates. Uh, to to have a nice little hangover for your your win at the Arnold Palmer this weekend. One thing, how about the scoring minus four to get it done? Major championship venue this weekend, man. I'm telling Love you, it. absolutely awesome. Now, and and I've seen it before too. Or I shouldn't say I've seen it. We see it every year at the Arnold Palmer. No one really lights this place on fire. Um, it's an absolute beast of a course. Um, you know that I think other than the Valspar that's got the snake pit, um, it's got kind of the most memorable finishing holes uh, coming down the stretch that just people notoriously struggle with. Um, but yeah, the weather combined with the greens being firmer than concrete guys were landing. It, it was honestly like, it reminded me of seeing uh, the, the president's cup this year out at Royal Melbourne. It reminded me of that course a lot because of just how firm, fast, and tough it was playing. They, they, they caught multiple guys on mic saying, I can't, I can't hit it high enough for it to land soft enough. Like, I can't land it short enough to get it to stop at these pins. Um, and I think as, as the week went on and the pins got tougher, the scoring obviously showed in that. Like, it was just a tough freaking golf course this week. And the 30-mile-an-hour consistent wins did not help that at all. No. And even going back to, to Rory's uh, blow up on that, on the six hole par five, he, uh, so he bombed it. So then he had to basically take a recovery shot. Then he ended up in the bunker and he was pretty close. And that I thought he was, I thought his drive was even more smoked, but besides that I'm watching him and he's in the bunker and he's not too far from the green. And he plays like this punch shot out of, out of the bunker the in hoops i guess hit it low but get enough spin on it so once it hits it'll kind of you know check up a little bit and then roll to the hole man that thing hit the green like the middle of the green the pin was all the way to the back that thing rolled all the way off the green kept going and then rolled into the what's now called the penalty area and landed next to a rock he was not happy about that one. It was nuts, man. It, it was a it was a test unlike anything they've I think they've seen in a while at, at the Arnold Palmer. Um, that course never gets that firm and that blustery. Um, it was a, a weird kind of weather weekend for the Arnold Palmer. Um, you know, I, I'm looking here. Francesco Molinari when he won it in 2019 was 12 under, um, and a lot of guys were chomping at the bit at, at you know 11, 9, 7 here. So I mean, um, obviously last year it played a little easier. Um, but it's just a great course. Um, like, like I said, I think before, there's just so many holes on that golf course that if you don't hit a good tee shot or a good approach shot, it's demanding on all levels. Um, and it just makes for fun golf to watch, man. I almost burn a pizza tonight because the golf coverage was so good. I literally, I was, I was glued to the TV watching the end of the Arnold Palmer. Uh, I left a pizza in for about 15 minutes too long. So I can, I can see that happening. Yeah, the the nice doughy pizza I planned on having turned into pepperoni chips. Uh, mm. You know, it is what it is. You, you 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 win some, you lose some when you when you love the game of golf. 
heard that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was, it was cool to watch. And, and, you know, one thing I want to touch on too here, um, I, I took some heat for this, I think on my take for it uh, on Twitter a little bit, and I'm going to write a blog. So people stay tuned on the blog too, but uh, I want, I want your guys' opinion on it. Uh, I'm going to rant a little bit on it and then uh, we're, we're going to get into our interview here with uh, professional golfer, Ethan Smith, downright grinder. Uh, if you guys don't follow him on Instagram, we'll get into where you can follow him, but uh, great follow. But uh, before we get into that, I want to touch on the Scott Piercy issue and it's touchy for some people. Um, I just want to let people know off the bat um, I don't have a preference one way or the other in what you think on the issue. I'm just going to tell you my thoughts on where I think the media got it wrong. I'm, I'm I, you know, uh, I think, uh, I think we live in a time of cancel culture that people cry wolf before knowing whatever happened. Um, and I think, so to give people a background on, on the Scott Piercy issue and, and what I'm tagging or what I'm getting at, um, Scott Piercy posted a story on his Instagram, not even like a, you know, an actual post describing it. Um, it was a quick story of a meme, basically making light of the subject that uh, presidential candidate Pete Buttigieg was dropping out of the race, um, made some kind of, you know, not, I, okay, so here's where they got it wrong. They, the media at large called it a slur a homophobic slur. Um, well, that was just wrong. Every media had, you know, headline grab was just wrong. I think in calling it a slur, it was a joke. It was a meme. It was a, um, it wasn't even a slur. It said, uh, said he pulled out from behind. He was behind the candidates in the polls. So it was technically a factual statement. It was just a little, you know, funny gesture of, uh, of, of a thing. And I see how it can be taken to heart because, the LGBTQ community, you know, obviously often gets slandered. Um, and, and I'm, I'm never for, uh, any kind of slander towards any, you know, group, whether it's, uh, civil rights activists, LGBTQ community activists, I, I'm not for slandering anyone of, of their beliefs. Um, but we live in a culture where everyone posts memes as a joke. People know that memes are a joke and to not be taken seriously. Um, so, this whole thing blew up with Scott Piercy. They, the media at large, made it sound like he was just downright bashing the gay community. And I think that's wrong. I think he posted a meme that was meant to be a joke. Most people took as a joke. One person got alarmed, sent it, or maybe it was someone within the media community that posted this. I think it was actually TMZ Sports that posted it uh, originally as a huge problem. Um, which I mean, right there should throw freaking, uh, you know, red flags to everyone that, you know, TMZ out of all people was the first person, the, the gossip magazine, uh, God per se was to be the first people to write on it. But, um, they brought out this huge article. People made a big deal of it. Uh, and he actually lost sponsorships because of it, which I don't think is right at all. I don't, I don't think in any way, shape or form over someone posting a 12 second meme meant to make people laugh, uh, meant to make light of a situation should ever be demanded that they lose, uh, people that are paying for their livelihood. I think, I think it was just absurd. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. It was, uh, it was a, it was a, it was a point for me where I felt like I had to speak up in the opposite direction of what a momentous, it seemed like, uh, 
push to basically people were crying for Piercy to be canceled from the tour, to be suspended from the tour, to be to lose ever to le- to lose his job. And I don't think anyone in you know in light of no article actually posted the meme that he posted or made reference to it. So there was no like, oh, hey, here's the slur that he used. People just kept calling it a slur and calling him a right-wing extremist. Like, come on, guys. Over a 12-second meme that I can guarantee you there was in, in, in the scale of, of actually being out of line was at a soft like 2 out of 10 of being out of line. I mean, I, I think as a community, we need to be better and actually stand up for a people's freedom of speech and B have a laugh and move on and not take things to heart so much. Cause come on guys, I hate to get so serious, but man, when you're calling for a guy's job over something like this is absolutely ridiculous. And I'd love to hear our listeners thoughts on it too, because I kind of got blasted on Twitter, uh, good and bad. Uh, people agree with me, people disagree with me, but uh, that that's kind of my end rant there. Um, you know, it is what it is, but uh, I feel like as media, we need to stop being so hard on the getting people canceled for their opinions because it it can go both ways and it's a slippery slope. The minute we start canceling people for their beliefs on the right is the minute we start canceling beliefs on the left and it can go back and forth. And it's a scary, slippery slope that I don't think anyone wants to go down. No, I'll agree with you on that one. And I'll also be honest, I didn't really, I didn't know what happened. I didn't really look into it. So I didn't know, I didn't really know. Kind of just saw something and saw some posts about it, didn't really dive into it and just like, kind of like just moved along, went on to the next thing. But going off of that, I think more on the aspect of it, it's tough because you want to keep politics out of it. Um, always. I, yeah, and as media, we try keep, to you so always much, want to keep pol- You always want to keep politics out of it. Um, even, even, even off camera, even, even with your family, you want to keep that really kind of just, that's how friends become enemies. Uh, tell family just doesn't talk to each other. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've heard stories. Um, but a, a lot of the thing is, I think the problem is, is media now um, certain certain media outlets uh it it, they go for the headline grabs uh that's but obviously that's also the industry Uh, it's a shame because it is and it's like how people get paid and get it it's it's, four clicks but come on how low and degrading are you willing to go for clicks and obviously tmz time and time again has proved that they don't give a shit how low they go they don't and there's very reputable golf writers out there that are starting to stoop to that level. And it's scary because as media, like you said, we're supposed to keep politics out of it. Our own personal opinions are supposed to be out of it. Other than what we do in the podcast. Like we podcast as I I like the golf debates. The golf debates are the best. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) that's the thing. And that's what, that's what we're about. Really? We cover golf from a, a way of how we see it. And yes, Personal opinions are always going to affect that. But you can't start canceling people who disagree with you. You just can't. Like, invite them in for a conversation and have them on and debate. Talk about it. But at the end of the day, I know that 
I mean, and we saw, I hate to, I mean, you said, you know, keep politics out of it, but we saw this past election. It was basically split 50-50 and it just goes to show, yeah, we're split 50-50. 50% of the time, I'm probably not going to agree with you on 100% of the issues. And that's what makes for great conversation. But I'm not trying to end your career because of it. My God, that's it. I mean, it just, it, it dug, it dug to a whole new depth for me that I didn't think golf media was going to stoop to. Um, and you know, it just, it brought up a conversation and, and I'll get into this a little bit and then i you know, we'll get into our interview. Um, it brought in the conversation, the one guy that, uh, I'll leave him nameless for the sake of just not bringing more fire into this than there needs to be. But you know, I, he brought it up on Twitter. He's like, well, the, the golf, the men's golf side of things, uh, has never seen a, a gay man step onto the golf course. Uh, 2019 Tad Fujikawa came out as, as a gay man and was actually, welcomed with open arms into the gay you know not in the i'm sorry <laughs> he was open with welcomes with open arms into the golf community by everyone at large and yes we haven't had a you know plethora of gay men come into the golf industry but i know they're there and it's not like we're lambasting them for their decisions and he's like, well, the LPGA does a great job of it. So many LPGA professionals have come out as lesbians, and it's the PGA Tour that has the issue. I don't think there's an issue. I think they're there, and we welcome them. You know, I think if you ask anyone in the golf industry, there's no, there's no animosity. There's no, you know, detrimental repercussions if you come out as a gay individual. You're welcomed. You know, it's, it's a good place to be the golf community. I I've seen the golf community is so welcoming from a internet. Like there are so many nationalities that play the game. There are so many, we, we see it on this podcast. That's why we do this. There's so many different individuals of different class, different ethnicity, different background, different upbringing that play this game. It's all inclusive. This game is amazing because of that reason. Don't tell me that this game is not inclusive. Yes, it once wasn't. I will, I will admit that 100%. This game used to be very, very exclusive. And it's a past in this game in which we are very rapidly growing out of at, at a very high rate. This game is becoming more and more inclusive by the minute. It's evident. We're getting there as a, as a game of golf. For sure. It ain't perfect. I'm not saying it's perfect. Still tons of ways to go. But I'm telling you right now, you cannot tell me that this game is not inclusive. At the and at the end of the day, you're all you're all out there to play the same game. Same and, game. And if it's and, one and thing like you said, that's that's what's great about it. I mean it you, no gender specific. No, it don't it don't matter. I can play with anybody who I want. I compete I can compete against with the who anybody I want. And that's what's so great about it. It's actually, it's the most, on an equality, I guess, standpoint, it's the most equal game out there. Especially on the amateur side of things. I mean, and we're starting to see, you know, co- co-branded events between the European Tour and their men's and women's. We're seeing co-branded. I want to see that so bad. I, I want to see. We're seeing it at the amateur level too. We're seeing co-branded amateur level events. This, I mean, is what we, this is what we discussed before. I mean, off cameras. I want to see the PGA. I want to see the LPGA. I want to see them play. 
I want to see them play it. This is what I want to see. This is what I this is what I love. You're gonna have the two the two pro, top, uh, biggest professional backgrounds. You have PJ, LPJ. You're gonna play a tournament. You're gonna have an individual tournament on the men's side. You're gonna have an individual tournament on the women's side for the sole winner. And then you're just gonna randomly pair a, a man and a woman together, and they're gonna have a, a, a team collective score like a miss we call it in bowling it's called all mystery doubles almost yeah you know we, uh, a buddy of mine he walk he walks around and it's like five dollars to get in and you know you just pick a he's got like uh like these marbles for like uh bingo like the bingo stuff and you just pick out a number he'll put your name down and based on all the participants once he has an equal amount he'll just match up to the person that's next to you mm-hmm. you do that with like the pg and lp i think that would be so fun because you can learn so much from each person's game i love that and you know what else that just like made me think of like what if we did what if we did a Ryder cup men's and women's co like oh. u.s men's and women's versus international men's and women's versus you know european men's and women's when that comes down to alternate shot and you got lexi thompson and dustin johnson on the same team are you kidding me <laughs> Like, come on. That's, that's much watch TV. And they play their respective tee boxes. Exactly. See, now this is what I'm getting at. This game ain't perfect. The, the game is still growing. But I'm telling you right now, I will, I will, on my last breath, stand out on a limb for this game and advocate for it, man. Like, it, it bugged me to no end that, that these were the articles getting written. Because I felt like it's, it's taking back the game of golf and the core values of this game of golf. We all need to lighten up a little bit, have a laugh, enjoy each other's company, and understand that the world just ain't as bad as what the media paints it out to be. For real. And I, I think another thing is, like you were saying, that some outlets may, may be going down that going down that road of the headline grabs and spinning it to where it may, may not be like any type of story that could be controversial or like spinning it to make it seem like it was way worse than it, than it really was. Uh, when we got into this, from my understanding and what I see majority of the time is we're all in this together and we're all pushing each other's brands. And I think that's, what's the greatest part of it. Yeah, when I you mean, go down, when you go down the road of trying to, because like again, I don't, I, I don't know that, I don't know that story based stuff. Didn't really look into it, mm-hmm. uh, but just on on a general standpoint, you're you don't want to go down the road of making it look way worse than it really is, and trying to get and trying to get clicks. And I'm telling you right grabs. now. There's, there's a lot of people out there, and it, and it takes more than one article to do it. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes your credibility is lost in one article. I think, I think the, ability to lose credi- the ability to lose all credibility can happen in one article. You can get one article so bad that people are just not going to trust anything else you say. And I think it started to happen in that Scott Piercy incident. And I, I think some people realized it, some people didn't. Because some people saw them for face value, didn't actually look into what the, uh, what the photo that was you know, put out there on social media actually was. So they just took it at face value. They didn't know what the actual photo was or what it said because no article actually referenced it because they knew if they did, they'd be wrong. 
you know? So, I mean, it just, um, it goes to prove like if you read something, do your due diligence, check it out, see actually what's behind it. Um, because you might actually be surprised that what you're reading at, at face value is not the, uh, the end all be all scenario. Um, but that's all I'll get in, man. I love this game. I love, yeah. I love everything that is about what goes on for a majority of the media in the golf industry. Um, I love our peers. I love everyone that's in this industry because there was a lot of our peers that were kind of, you know, saying, Hey, I saw the same thing you're talking about. You know, can we, can we talk about this more? Cause like, you know, I think you understand it the same way I do. And I think there's a lot being made of nothing here. Um, but, uh, yeah. you know, and I'm, not, I'll, I'm not trying to be insensitive. I'm not trying to say that, you know, some communities are more valued than others. Cause that's just not true. I just think, you know, have a laugh. There was no slur. Um, move on with your day. Yeah, and, and I said and I said this before. We're all one. It's one equal game. We're all in this together. And uh PGA, LPGA, let's get that tournament going and uh we'll help we'll help set it up. Yeah, if they don't do it, we will. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's it for us this week, guys. Uh sorry for the long winded rant. Um something I was uh I felt like I had to, you know, get out there for your opinions to hear and just uh let you know or you know the enjoy the walks take on things because i think uh, that's what we do here is uh you know let you know our opinions on the game of golf but you know even deeper than that is kind of get stories out there that maybe a lot of people only saw for face value and uh we get a little more in depth with them so uh that's what we're here for uh if you guys want to interact with us uh you know please send us your opinions send us your thoughts uh if you guys have some really good stuff maybe we'll even bring you on to the show uh so email us uh enjoy the walk 19 at gmail.com or feel free to muck it up with us on twitter uh, we always enjoy throwing out 140 characters so uh at enjoy the walk pod on Twitter and Instagram. Always feel free to message us on either platform there. Uh, but without further ado, uh, guys, we have an awesome, awesome guest for you this week. So uh, yeah, we'll get into it. So thanks for listening. And here's Ethan Smith. Welcome back to the enjoy the walk podcast, guys. Really appreciate you tuning in this week. As always, uh, I think we have a pretty special guest for you guys. And, uh, you know, he, this guy kind of caught our eye, um, not only on his flashy Instagram uh, kind of avatar, uh, very highlighter green, E Smith golf with a really neat logo, which I think we'll get into a little later as well. But um, without further ado, I'd like to bring uh, Ethan Smith onto the show, a professional golfer who's just an absolute grinder. I uh, can't wait to get into that story. So Ethan, thanks for joining us this week, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Fantastic, man. No, thanks again for joining us. And, uh, you know, tell people a little bit, where, where are you from exactly? I'm from Oklahoma City. Um, I've, I was born here. I've been here all my life. So it's, it's home. I mean, That's I've been awesome. able to travel, you know, with my family and with golf and everything. But this is definitely what I'm used to. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. It's funny. I think Dante and I've talked about it too. Golf presents you with a really lot of neat opportunities to travel around, uh, around the country. Um, I know when I was in college, I had a really awesome opportunities to kind of go play in different tournaments that, you know, were out of Northeastern United States and got to go down South and a little bit out West as well. So, um, that's awesome to hear that, uh, the Midwest is, is, being represented pretty well. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit of your background of your story. I follow your, you know, your Instagram page pretty closely and, uh, you just, an, from what I can see an absolute nut for the game. So I'd love to hear how that kind of all got started. Yeah. Um, I got started in the game 
when I was 13 years old. And that's a little bit later than, you know, compared to the people that I'm competing against. Sometimes I play with guys that have been playing since they were one, basically. I mean, that's kind of when they learned to grip the club or whatever, like a Tiger Woods story. But I played other sports growing up. I played soccer a little bit when I was young and I got into skateboarding for probably two years, I would say. And that was just kind of my thing. Uh, and then my dad got me a set of golf clubs. I, I think it was a couple months before my 13th birthday. Um, just, you know, as a way to spend some time with him and my grandfather. And I remember playing on my 13th birthday I literally, I mean, this was like maybe the second time I ever played. And I remember specific shots and just like the desire in my heart growing of like, man, I, I've just caught a huge bug. Like I've got to play this game. I've got to master this. So that's kind of, you know, how it started. And I got involved in some junior tournaments through Oklahoma, even some down in Texas a little bit. Started playing in high school with the, the school team and also still, you know, outside events uh, with the junior tours and stuff like that. And it was just kind of this steady progression through high school. And then I was able to earn a, a spot on a college team. Um, and it was just the same story of just kind of a steady progression every year. It was never – for me, it was never – a process of deciding if I wanted to, to continue, you know, do I want to play in high school? Do I want to play in college? Do I want to play after college? It's just been 100% in like, what do I need to do to get there? When can I start? Uh, <laughs> how many hours do I need to put in? So, and that, and after college, I mean, that's kind of how it's continued. It's just trying to do what it takes and keep moving. So, <laughs> Uh, that's awesome. And, you know, uh, I think college golf has a funny way of whether, you know, it's at the division three level, two level or division one level, it's got a funny way of um, making you or allowing you to commit to getting better. You know, I feel like the yeah. college level with teammates and having, you know, consistent amount of matches and everything, um, at least was a point for me as well. Um, I had loved the game a lot, you know, throughout the high school level. But uh, when I got to college, it kind of dawned on me as well. Like, man, this is, this is something I could really see myself doing, you know, yeah. all the time, not just, uh, not just as a sport, you know, as, as something else. But um, <laughs> so I'd love to, for you to touch on a little bit of that too. You know, where did you go to college and um, you know, at what level did you play and um, wh what kind of experiences did you get within your college level of golf? Yeah. So I ended up playing at Oklahoma Christian university, which is literally 10 minutes from where I, from my house here. Um, and it was not my original plan. I kind of wanted to move out and go play somewhere further or, um, you know, find a really big school to go to. Uh, but this was kind of the opportunity that came up and, and ultimately, like, even though it was so close to home, I thought if I can get a, if I can get a spot on that, on those five guys that travel to tournaments, then I'm not going to be in, you know, feeling like I'm in my hometown all the time. So I was fine. Like I was okay with that decision to go play there. And 
it turned out to be just like it. Yeah, it's that's, a that's world awesome. of experience. I mean, <laughs> it was amazing. Like, it's a, it's now an NCAA Division two school. While I was being recruited, it was NAIA, but they were kind of in this transfer period, and so they have to like sit out of, um, like the national championship and stuff. So, mm-hmm. my freshman year was the first eligible year that they were allowed to play the postseason, and we made it through, we made it all the way to national championship. So I got to go, I was on the five, thankfully. I mean, I, I still looking back, it's amazing to me to, to just like soak in, you know, all those memories of like getting to be a starting player as a freshman, going all the way to national championships. We, that was in Denver, Colorado. Uh just at this amazing course, I think they play the uh, Colorado Open or something like that on the Corn Ferry Tour. Um, so it's just like this amazing course. And then, um, you know, the next, really every year, every year was different in playing in college, but it was just like so rich in experience as a player, growing, playing all these different courses, learning about myself and my game and, um, you know, just trying to improve every year, like within competition and with always with the goals of playing afterwards and kind of keeping it alive. So it was just always kind of like this long, long-term perspective on this isn't it. I'm just, you know, it, this is just part of the process of learning and getting better. So. Sure. Now, was it, was it like during college that you realized like, man, I, I really want to look at playing this professionally or was it even before then, you know, when, when was it in your mind? Like, you know, not only, okay, I love the game and um, I want to do whatever I can in the game, but like, all right, I'm actually good enough to, to make a run at it. When did that really happen for you? And, and did you see yourself kind of switch to a a mindset of, all right, like it, it doesn't have to just be a game now. Like I, I, I need to approach it as a job. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of that happened kind of in high school for me. I mean, when I, when I first started playing, I was really serious. I mean, just right away. Like it was, I want to play every day. I want to practice really hard. It's not that I just want to go beat range balls. Like I want to learn how to hit different shots and it was just kind of this addiction. And so in high school, I'd say that's really when I felt like, okay, I mean, yes, I want to play professional because that looks cool, but I also think I can. Like, if I if I put in those hours, I think I'm good enough, and I think I can get good enough with the time, you know, if I start now kind of thing. And so even in high school, like, I was waking up at five or something like that. I mean, as a sophomore, I remember waking up at five and going to the Y before school to go train, um, before classes. And so it was kind of like, even then, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I was a grinder. So. That's awesome. No, I love that. And I wish, uh, I wish Isaiah could have joined us this evening. Cause, uh, he's kind of got a similar story of, uh, just, you know, he knew very early on, he's like, listen, I'm just going to give everything I got to, to go at it. And, yeah. um, I, I know I remember stories of him. It's funny when you said the why we had a why in our Gettysburg area that he used to go to all the time before, you know, and now he was homeschooled, but he would go in the morning before he had to start his home classes yeah. and the same deal. 
Um, he was like, I am just devout to it. I'm devoted to, you know, this goal, however long it takes. Um, right. So it, it's awesome to hear that there was just kind of that instant bug when you, when you picked it up of just yeah. trying to get better at all costs. Oh yeah. I mean, it was like, I still, I mean, I, I was practicing when I wasn't at the course kind of thing. It's like, you know, sitting in class, you're working on your swing or wondering, <laughs> you know, what kind of short game game you need to <laughs> make up and that's going to make you better. So it's just been like mind consuming and <laughs> Like it's a lifestyle for sure. Oh, there's no doubt. I, I about that. No. And I, I think that's the mentality that you need to have. And knowing that, you know, you can make that uh, a reality is when you're a sophomore in high school, waking up at five in the morning to go to the gym, to train, because the overall outcome that you want is going to be maybe years down the road, give or take. Yeah. To see yourself on, on that leaderboard of the PGA or anything that you even want to do. Cause there's times I remember being in high school or you have other high schoolers. I mean, they're sleeping until, you know, 10 AM to, to noon. I mean, you're given, you're, you're putting it all out on the line. I mean, like blood, sweat and tears. So just that's, that's, that's something special to, to have and having a mentality at that young of an age um, when you have kids just basically just, you know, enjoying their high school days yeah. as, Everybody says it's like one of one of the part of their greatest times of their lives to say, you know what, I'm going to step back rather than go out with like friends at night because I know I need to get up at the next morning at, in between 4 a.m. and 5 a.m. to put the work in because I have an ultimate outcome of where I need to be. Right. That just says a lot right there. Now, speaking yeah. of that grind, you know, you speak 4 a.m., 5 a.m., Dante. I think that that just that gets me into the the number one reason I think Ethan, why I followed you to begin with and just why I was so kind of like, I don't know. It was almost inspired myself to like realize like, damn, he's putting in the work. Like, all right, if he's putting in this much work and can do A, B, C, and D, I was like, okay, I can take a look at my own life. And, and I encourage people to go follow you at Smith underscore golf at Instagram and just follow your stories. I mean, now you had just recently, you know, kind of, uh, dropped one of your jobs to, to focus more on golf. But yeah. I want you to take me through that like post-college um, into the real world of really chasing it, but still working jobs to make ends meet. Take me through like what one of your daily schedules looked like at kind of the busiest time of like all of your jobs, kind of what they were and how they all came together. Yeah. So, uh, so post-college I had, so during college and even in high school, I mean, I'd like mow some lawns and stuff to make money, chores, stuff like that. I mean, normal things, I imagine. And because I, I knew, like, after college, I knew professional golf is going to be expensive and it's going to be this demanding thing. And so I was never a big spender. Um, so I kind of had, you know, this savings accumulating. And so after college, started playing in these professional events and that's that's where the money was coming from is just kind of this war chest that I had um so for a while I didn't have to get a job and so I finished the season last year um as my first season kind of like I think it was in October and I knew that I needed to work over the off season just to prepare for this coming year. And so 
I wanted to find some jobs that were flexible and some, you know, something that I can still get out and practice a lot and train a lot um, and not just totally give away my day. So I, you know, I'm really thankful as I look back even just over the last few months because I kind of stumbled upon these jobs pretty quickly and they've worked out well. Um, I mean, they have nothing to do with golf, but <laughs> they, they've been kind of opportunities to like learn about other things and make, I hate to cut you off, but I think that's what makes it so great is like, you know, people always talk about when they're looking to get in the fields of like, you know, all right, I want to chase this really, really bad. Or I want to, I want to do, you know, people that get into YouTube content creating or want to do a YouTube channel or whatever it is. They always like, I feel like where people get hung up the most is they're like, well, I got to find it in my field or I got to make it I got to make it relative to whatever I'm doing. And for like a lot of us in the golf industry, it's like, well, I got to find a golf job or this, that, the other thing. I think that's what makes your story so awesome is the jobs that you had to kind of, you know, make your golf life possible were nowhere near anywhere golf related. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So like I got the first one I got, um, is at a law firm and I still have that one. And this particular lawyer is, he's a great man. He's, he works by himself and he's trying to go paperless. Um, and in his office, we've got like, I think it's about 30 years of paperwork that are, you know, it's just filed along the walls and stuff. And so it's been, you know, I honestly, I don't have a lot of interest in law, but it's been interesting to learn the little that I have learned. Um, you know, but it's just kind of a, I'm just a handyman around his office, cleaning things, scanning paper all the time. Uh, and then I think it was probably a couple weeks later that I was still kind of applying for these little part-time jobs. And I thought, well, this law firm job is kind of in the evening, afternoonish time, a few days a week. So if I can find something super early, and like work during the night a little bit, then that'll give me time, the time in the day to practice and to train still. And so I started looking for like some warehouse jobs, like part-time still over the night though. And ended up finding this job for the FedEx warehouse in town, uh, starting at 4am. And so, you know, I, I really didn't want to have like an ego about, well, it needs to be a job that is like this or that I need to work with people like this or whatever. I was just like, Hey, I need to find a job and make some money. So (laughs) this one kind of, you know, I felt like it kind of fell into my lap. And unfortunately the, uh, I think it was like November, the whole month of November and December are there what they call peak season. And so, um, with the Christmas, the holidays and everything, we had to get there at 2 (laughs) a.m. So that was like, you know, for weeks after weeks, it was 2 a.m. start time. Uh, And at that point, I mean, basically I was working 2 2 a.m. to 9 a.m. And then I would practice, I would get home, eat some breakfast or something, and I would go practice then until 11.30 and then I would go back home and change clothes because I had to be at the law firm at 12:30. And then my training, like it was a bit inconsistent, honestly, but 
sometimes I'd go to the gym right after the law firm or sometimes I would fit it in. Uh, you know, if we got off before nine or something like that at the warehouse and I would fit in training there, like right before practice. And so that's kind of the, that was the heaviest of schedules when it was pretty much like from 2 AM to I was going to bed basically at 8 PM. So <laughs> I'd get off work at the law firm at five 30. And so it was, you know, just a full day. Like there was no, there was no time to slack off <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah. That, that's just awesome. And, and I love the fact that like, it's just a, a mod podge of, uh, you know, different things to just make it work. And I think uh, the one thing you said in there where it was really neat is like you, you said, your, your training kind of varied. Like there was no set, like, all right, you know, it's this time. It has to be that time because I think a lot of people get caught up in the, well, if I don't work out at 6 a.m. today, then I don't work out at all. Or I don't work out at 3 p.m. today, then I don't work out at all. Or, yeah. you know, it's like you got to take your, your little steps forward or your little progresses whenever you can. And I think that's another thing that I've realized with you is like a lot of your posts, and it's why I love your page, are just like raw, like, yeah, hey, I got 20 minutes in today. I worked on, yeah. I worked on my takeaway. You know, I didn't have to hit a whole bucket of balls to make progress. I just, I worked on a feeling today real quick. All I had time for, but I worked on something. And, and that's what I really love about it is like, there's just uh there's an insatiable need for like you to just consistently get better. It doesn't matter how little or how much, you know, it's just, it's awesome to see that you're just constantly trying to get somewhere within the game. And I love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I totally value just kind of the day to day even if it is like, you know, 15, 20 minutes, if I just have no time, like I still want to get in there and get into a golf posture or feel the swing just so that I can feel that I did like to feel that, yes, I put in a little bit of effort today and and make it as deliberate as I can just to, just to feel like I always think about trying to get 1% better every day. And so if I can, just get one golf swing and think, you know, thoroughly about that one swing or whatever, then that's, it doesn't matter when it is during the day. It's just whenever I have that moment to do it, like I want to take advantage of that because it's those little actions over a long period of time that can lead to the big results or like, you know, the end outcomes. So. What's going on guys. Hope you're enjoying this interview with Ethan Smith. Um, he just talks about, you know, getting through the day with the most efficient practice possible. Um, and I want to talk about one of our sponsors, Slopegrade. And I think they really allow you to do that through their product. Slopegrade is the first and only wearable green reading system on the market right now that you can attach right to your belt buckle and instantaneously through either your iPhone or Apple watch and soon to come on all Samsung and Google products, you can get the slope reading of where you're standing immediately on the course as you're playing in a practice round. You can get that information right away and really help you hone in on how you're reading the greens and the feel for your greens. So check out Slopegrade at www.slopegrade.com. That's S-L-O-P-E-G-R-A-I-D-E.com. And when you get to check out, enter Enjoy the Walk as a coupon code for a special product offer. So guys, check them out. Slopegrade, really appreciate everything they've done for us. And uh, they're going to help you change your game for the better. 
Also want to give a huge shout out to our merchandise sponsor, Saltwater Swag MD. That's saltwater underscore swag underscore MD on Instagram. Uh, check them out, guys. They do awesome vinyl products, uh, t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, whatever you want, polos, um, you name it, they can get it done for you. Also, Saltwater Swag does any kind of vinyl decals. Um, so whatever you're looking for in the vinyl custom industry look at saltwater swag for all of your products um, they do everything we've asked for them and more so check them out saltwater swag now back to the show gotta ask you so now you know our podcast listeners are gonna either have to check out your your instagram page or, or check out our youtube uh version of this but um you got some awesome blue specs on you man are they uh are they a branding feature or what made you decide to go that route and you know is there anything behind the, the blue glasses you got i mean <clears throat> there's really nothing behind them i've always liked big bold colors and sharp design and stuff like that and i also you know just having something that nobody else has really um i just kind of have like you know i want to have something kind of unique and so there's this, a local store and pretty much all they sell honestly is like everything is just super cool when you walk in there um and so i had to go with you know bright metal blue like it was just a as soon as I saw him, I was like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> those are the ones yeah. <laughs> I swear for the, for the longest time for, for a good period of time when I started following, I couldn't figure out whether those were real or they were a filter like, based on like the angles that you had. I'm like, are, is that a filter? I was like, what's he doing? <laughs> but no, that's, that's cool. Yeah. That's like, that basically make, that's also, that's like your brand right there. It's like, people are going to know like that's Ethan. That's he's got the blue glasses. Boom. That's his brand. Yeah. It's, it's a smart move. Thank you. Yeah. Now I now feel like though, I need to get something that's like neon yellow. I was just going to say there's a, everything on your brand other than the blue is neon yellow. You drive a neon yellow car. You just got a highlighter license plate for Lord's sake. I think, I think that's your move. I think so. I don't know who makes them now though. I mean, I'll have to do some shopping, but I think oh, it is the next move. <laughs> that's awesome. No, it's uh does that now does that I gotta ask, does that transition onto the golf course? Do you like to have a little flair in your uh in your golf course apparel too, or or are you more more traditional when you when you get to the golf course? I that's an interesting question for right now because I currently I basically only wear the clothing that I have from college. Um because I you know, at this point, I've grown out of whatever I was wearing in high school, and I didn't ever buy that many clothes throughout college. Um, I just kind of wore the gear that we were getting for the team, and so that's still kind of all I have right now because I'm not a sponsored athlete or anything getting clothing from anybody. So I'm kind of waiting for that time when I can go buy my own stuff sure. you know, with some extra money. And it'll definitely be, I, I like a more traditional style, stuff that's really classic, but I like bold designs and patterns and colors. So it'll kind of be my own style, I think. Sweet. No, that's, uh, that's what we love. And um, I think there's so much room to be had in, in making, you know, golf outfits fun. Um, yeah. there, and there's so much out there right now, too. You know, yeah. we've, we've, we got to see it a little bit when we were down in Orlando. Um, but man, there's just so much opportunity 
to just wear your style because it seems like each company is making something so unique and so right. kind of uh, out there because they're just trying to push the boundary of what you can wear on the golf course. Um, it's going to be awesome to see, I think, you know, the rest of 2020, what people come out with, but even, you know, moving forward, people are pushing the bond boundaries. Adidas tried like a no collar collar shirt kind of deal. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they come out with uh, in the next like two years of, of pushing the boundaries of what's, you know, truly golf attire. Right. Yeah. As the sport has become more athletic and athlete driven, I mean, it's kind of, it's really changed like the face of golf. And so it will be really interesting just to see where it progresses to next with style and equipment and just kind of the overall feel for golf. <laughs> oh, for that's sure. What, that's what I notice a lot in Orlando too, is like, as you just said there with the, uh, the athletic apparel, but it, what's neat is companies are pushing the boundary to saying, how can we take like a training dry fit shirt and put that with a collar on it yeah. and even with, with pants? I mean, the way that they're, they're, they're developing clothing for golfers is how they can keep the style-esque and keep the, I guess, you the original or the authentic look of from, from golf. But also right. you can probably go – play basketball in them because that's how athletic driven they are for, for the materials yeah. that they're using that are being made. It's, it's definitely interesting to see on that aspect. So I'm definitely uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. It's been, I mean, even up till now, you know, it's been a serious change. People used to wear ties and, you know, look like they were in a suit basically, <laughs> but um, I'm kind of interested to see now where it will go because like kind of like he was saying with um, that collarless call or whatever, there's bound to be other ideas that we haven't even seen yet with collars or, you know, I'm sure at some point maybe they'll let players wear shorts uh, on the tour. So it's hard. I'm almost interested to see, and like this is kind of where my mind's been going with it. I'm I'm really thinking like now. Granted, there's so there's such like an old vibe to golf that I think it's going to take a really long time to transition, especially the pro yeah. ranks out of pants and a you know collared shirt. But I think we're moving like the tennis direction, like you know like tennis shorts or something athletic shorts wise. Maybe I don't know, or maybe yeah. that material in pants or some like 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 you said, Dante, just like the athletic, just you know vibe like a gym vibe in in all the materials i think is where we're really headed we saw it a little bit with the joggers kind of like a year or two ago uh with ricky and and a couple of those guys i mean um uh, eric van royen is just guy top yeah. five last couple of weeks has, has been rocking the joggers so uh but they're still more of like a golf style jogger they're not really like a right. you know joggers cool. jogger yeah <laughs> So yeah, it'd be interesting to see. And, you know, speaking of the athletic side of things, um, we touched on it a bit, you know, you, you like to try and at least get a, a day's work in. Um, what is your, what does your workouts consist of? And, and do you focus on, is it more like speed training or, or what kind of stuff are you doing in the gym to really get yourself prepared uh, when you step out on the golf course? So <clears throat> I, I mean, I'm totally into fitness and workouts and I think sometimes what I do and maybe not be considered golf workout, maybe like golf specific workouts 
Um, but part of that's just because I also feel like I have to kind of balance out my body in a way. I mean, I swing the golf club, you know, hundreds of times pretty much every day. And so I know that that can take a toll on my body over time. So I try not. So if I'm also doing that movement in the gym, you know, that's just more and more and more. So I try to balance it out. Um, but I also, you know, I'm trying to get faster and I'm trying to get stronger. So like right now, I mean, I, I run at least once a week, you know, I'm swimming once or twice a week. I'm using weights in some of the workouts. Some of them are just kind of a calisthenic driven, you know, just body weight, pushups, pull-ups, that kind of work. So I try to incorporate like a lot of different styles of training just to improve like my overall conditioning. Um, but I also want to incorporate golf specific exercises or speed training, you know, with weighted golf clubs and stuff like that. Um, just cause I think training is like so important, but it needs to be well-rounded and it needs to touch on all parts of the body and all aspects of training for strength or speed instead of just focusing on one thing and kind of wearing that out. Oh, for sure. sure. I think, uh, I think like you said, so many people, when they think of golf, they're like, Oh, you play 18 holes. Like how fit do you need to be? But it's like from a professional golfer standpoint, like you said, you're swinging the club hundreds of times a day. You're, you're yeah. constantly practicing and the durability of the body to withstand that much twisting motion, firing torque throughout a, a full session day in and day out, it does wear on the body. So that's like where you really need to build up one, especially, you know, everyone always talks about the core. Um, but I think a big part that people miss on is, you know, the back, the, you know, the, the legs to, to really yeah. get you through that. And there's just, there's so many kind of just, I feel like an all body workout is necessary every time you step in the gym as a golfer. Like you're not really, you know, weightlifters can maybe focus in on like muscle groups and, and golfers can maybe do it a little bit, but I feel like the most effective and maybe you can add on this or disagree, but the most effective workout is usually like an all body workout with some cardio for a golfer standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, <clears throat> the golf swing is, you know, it's a full body movement. And so if you are, if you're cutting up your training and doing like you know, this is a biceps day or something like that, <laughs> then you can easily like start to throw your golf swing out of balance. If you're training specific muscle groups on specific days or whatever. And so your golf swing can vary day to day, like way more than it should. So I think it's important, you know, just like you were saying to have it as a whole body training, just so that you're, you're balancing your body to make athletic movement, like as a whole and as like a fluid movement instead of a bunch of separate parts trying to figure out how to move together. Yeah, no, the, 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 the game of golf and the, sw the swing especially is, is an art form. I feel like, and everything has to move, you know, in its own direction at this, you know, yeah. in unison to, to, to make it work. And, uh, and, and that's the fun of it. And that's why it's such a tantalizing game at times because just right. one, one, one little muscle in the wrong direction and you're, uh, you're, you're struggling oh, yeah. to find the center of the fairway or the center yeah. of the club face. <laughs> How many times do you see yourself in the gym? Are you, cause I know you were saying like the, 
you know, there's different types of styles and especially for golf and like what Dalton was saying is that's something you want to kind of specifically do more full body rather than, you know, the good old uh, bodybuilder routine where you're hitting maybe five to six days a week and you're just hitting one specific body part for, you know, two hours, maybe two, yeah. two and a half hours of just straight growth. What, how, how does, how do you break that up? Do you, are you like, three or four days in the, are you, are you five to six days doing maybe, you know, weights and then cardio weights, cardio, or, or how's that, how's that go for you? For me, um, kind of the regimen or the schedule that I'm working on right now is basically weights, swimming, calisthenic, swimming, weights, running. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of like the basic pattern. And you know, week to week, it fluctuates a little bit with, you know, my, the jobs or if I'm going to travel for a tournament, then that's definitely going to impact the, my schedule of training. And so I can't say that it's just like this set routine every week, but, um, I, you know, I'm trying to move some weight in the gym, probably two, two times a week. Um, and then I'm trying to incorporate things like running or swimming, you know, another couple times and then maybe one workout, you know, I like with a calisthenic workout, I like that to be a lot about speed um, just trying to move the body fast through those reps. And so, you know, maybe once a week with that. So that's kind of my, that's kind of the balance of everything, how I like to work, work it out. Yeah, that's awesome. That's uh, there's something to be said about just like also trying new things in the gym too, and like not getting static and in, in doing the same thing over and yeah. over again. Um, is there anything like? I mean, obviously, you know, people love to say like, "Well, what's your what's your go to like workout?" Um, you know, as cliche as that may be, um, do you have a thing that you kind of rely on that you're comfortable with doing a lot as far as like a movement, or is there something that you've recently tried to maybe just like? go out of the box and say, you know, I haven't tested this yet, but like, it's something that you've, you know, looked at or heard about in the fitness world that you've wanted to give a go. Swimming kind of is that for me because I haven't been swimming for a long time with my training and I certainly wasn't swimming on a regular basis just for fun. Um, and I just, you know, I read about it and I have a friend that does some triathlons and stuff and he was telling me about the benefits of swimming. You know, it's such a full body thing, but it's also a cardio and there's no impact. And I thought, okay, you know, that's like, these are all good things. I, I think it could be beneficial for golf as well. Just better athletic um, conditioning. And it has totally kicked my butt. Like <laughs> it is so hard. I mean, I can, I can get in there and swim like one lap and then I definitely need three minutes just to catch my breath. And then, you know, then I can do another one or something like that. And yeah, I can attest to that. If you're doing like an all out sprint, especially a full length of like an Olympic size pool or whatever, um, <laughs> man, even like the half distance pools, uh, when we were in college, um, we did a little bit of swimming. We tried it. Um, we obviously as a whole golf team as a whole went right back to the gym. We're like, okay, we'll just, we'll run the treadmill. It's a hell of a lot easier than swimming. So, yeah. uh, yeah, I can attest to that, man. I, I did it a little bit. Haven't swam in ages, like in a pool doing laps like that. 
uh, my Lord. Yeah. It, it tests every ounce of your body, especially the cardio end of things. I, I can agree on that one too. We actually, you know, Dalton and I went to the same college, but we played different sports. So the sport I played was lacrosse and we actually had, uh, this company come in. It was a two day thing and it was a company, these guys, it was a team building exercise and they were either ex or former Marines or former SEALs. One of the two, uh, these guys, these guys were badass and they, they, they whooped our ass. Um, oh man, it was tough. But the, the <laughs> first day was all outside and it was a lot of, you know, fireman carries, uh, fireman carries. We were just all carrying each other, doing all types of stuff. Log, we were like lifting logs every overhead and whatnot but the second day was i mean we were there for about three hours and it was in the pool but we were swimming laps through the pool on not the not the full length it was you know the horizontal part of it so basically only half the pool and we were doing i think breaststroke you know like the four simple four simple strokes and then afterwards we would you know we'd swim across and then we would do mountain climbers or crunches or push-ups or jumping jacks and then someone else then we would jump back in the pool so i'll tell you what swimming the i i was sore in muscles i've never felt before <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was a great learning experience it was after thinking about it at first i hated my coach for having us do it but looking back on it, it was, it's definitely an experience to have. And it was, it's definitely a story I'll carry with me through, through like the rest of life, just to explain what we went through. But if anybody is trying to swim, I'd go for it. I mean, quick tangent on that too. Like, God, I mean, just to get some total respect to people that actually swim like competitively for a living. Cause yeah. those guys, gals out there, you're freak athletes. I'm telling you it right now. You're freak athletes. It's impressive. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, you know, like people that are in the Olympics, some of those long distance swims where I don't know exactly how many laps they're doing, but, you know, I can swim one lap and I'm pretty proud of myself, you know, to accomplish that thing and then take a breather for a minute. But, you know, they're just going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth for half an hour. And it's like, dude, your heart is unreal <laughs> it's it's crazy and it just speaks to like i mean it, it's great to be out of the box like that yet again it's something that has nothing to do with golf and you know it's you see so many golf specific workouts where you're doing yeah. the twisting with you know bands or whatever or you're doing some sort of lunges or getting you know like something related to the golf swing and it's just another thing of like you know you don't have to be doing things that are directly related to your end goal to get the um to get the preparation or the you know the product and result that you're looking for yeah i think uh it's always fun to see what else can maybe contribute to to getting you to that you know to that area of you're feeling good about progress you're making yeah for sure and even just like i even feel like you know just learning new things can have such a, a strong impact on your one thing that you're interested in or you can find I find inspiration from so many other, you know, things like people, you know, who are in art or people who climb professionally or like just other sports and other interests. Like I, 
I get a lot of inspiration from people who are trying to master their craft, whatever it is. It's not always golf that I'm just trying to get motivated by golfers and that kind of thing. So it's been cool to kind of branch out and like look for other things. Yeah. You know, it's funny you said that and I'm really surprised, but, uh, pump that you said climbing because one of my favorite books to kind of always go back to and read is a real short book, but it's about the youngest kid to ever climb Mount Everest. And, um, it's, it's basically for me, like a, it, it goes through all of his hardships and all the things. And, um, actually it's written from the perspective of the kid that was climbing with the kid that made it to Mount Everest. So oh, okay. he actually ended up being like, 30 steps short of ever climbing Mount Everest. He like couldn't make it just, but the, the, the moral of the story is of just the gratitude that he had for the person that actually made it. Um, and the understanding of like that, you know, two people can put in the same amount of hard work. They trained together for like two or three years prior and you're, you might end up just short, but you know, it goes on. And I think he wrote this as an adult. So he went on to climb it later in life is basically what it boils down to. Um, and it, it's just really neat to, to just to see like other people's perspectives of however great these goals are in life, how they've attacked them. And I think it goes yeah. huge into people preparing for professional sports or, I mean, oh, yeah. you know, it's, it's just amazing to see other people's perspectives. And Ethan, going off of what you just said, that actually kind of just kind of almost hit home too, you know, um, I'm giving a shout out to my brother, my brother Gino, his band, Thomas and the Workmen. Go check them out. They're up and coming. They, yeah. they, they're all Columbus, Ohio guys. He lives out in Columbus now from his buddies. He went out to school out there. And like you were just saying, it's, this is non-golf related. They just signed a you know, local record deal actually in Philly. So him and his buddies, they drove out last week. They got here last Saturday. And from Sunday all the way up until 5 a.m. this morning, they were in the studio. They filmed nine or they recorded nine new songs <laughs> and they got there from about 10 a.m. And they each day 10 a.m. And they, they were walking in the house around 5 a.m. <laughs> and they did that from Sunday to all the way this morning slept in slept in got into the car and then drove back to columbus ohio so it just i mean it just it just shows i mean and this is their passion so they yeah. said they said screw it we're gonna, we're gonna do this we got this opportunity they got this opportunity through some other friends and they they took advantage of it i mean it was crazy i mean i don't see my brother too often however he came home he was here for a full week i saw him twice <laughs> just because our schedules are just so yeah so off and it's just it just goes off there and that kind of just hit me home to where you know look what he's doing i'm gonna do that and try and one-up him because there's always <laughs> there's always that rivalry you know <laughs> so screw you at the same good for you but screw you at the same time i'm gonna one-up you on that that little but brotherly now, rivalry is always a little fuel to the fire which i mean <laughs> you can find it anywhere and it's funny you know um you can just find it anywhere i think is the end i could go into a whole other tangent of all of yeah. that but um <laughs> it's, it's cool like you said to, to branch out and find new ways of, of inspiration or new ways of like attacking a goal that you previously maybe just got stuck on or um, right you know ten it tends to be that you're not the only one struggling with what you think you were probably on your own right. struggling about. Yeah. Someone else has probably been there, done that as, as like 
insensitive as that sounds at face value, that we all go through a lot of similar things that we just don't recognize. Um, and right. it's it, it, like you said, it's just really cool to see that kind of uh, ability to take things from other aspects of life and bring it back into golf. Um, it's always fun. It's uh it's a, it's a crazy sport with a lot of uh, ways to get into it. A lot of ways to practice, a lot of ways to get better. Um, so, so what's the schedule look like for you moving forward now? You, you're officially done with the FedEx job and um, you know, is a, is a busy 2020 season in store for you as far as competing? Yes. Uh, I will be pretty busy. So I'm starting, <clears throat> I'll leave next week, actually, Sunday uh, for Louisiana, and I'll be playing on, it's something called the All Pro Tour. It's a pretty well, mm-hmm. well-developed well mini tour, and that's kind of, you know, that's kind of the primary tour that I'll be spending my time on and getting in the competitive rounds. Um, there are a couple, like, small local tours that... I use just as like ways to get feedback on my game as I prepare for a bigger event, just kind of like a warm up in a way. Um, and so, you know, I kind of fill, fill in the gaps with those, but I'll play pretty much, you know, March through October again. That's kind of the, that's kind of what I'm looking at right now, as far as the schedule, obviously finances and, you know, however, if I play super well and get invited to bigger stuff, then it can certainly change your schedule pretty fast. But so you never know exactly. I mean, I don't have everything written down permanent of this is what I'm going to do. But, uh, you know, I have a pretty good idea and it's going to be a pretty full year and I'm still going to keep the job that I've got going now just on the side to make some money on the side, which is nice. But It'll keep me busy. That's for sure. Oh, no doubt about that. Uh, I feel like the the golf game, no matter if you have a job or you're doing it full time as a golfer, uh, keeps you busy. There's no doubt about that. Um, one thing you touched on, I think, is super cool. And I, you know, if people don't know about it, that listen to us. Um, how I don't I don't want to say easy because that's just the wrong word. But how quick a few hot weeks on tournaments can get you into some other events. You know, whether it's yeah. Um, you, you know, in the mini tours with all pro tour, or, um, I think there's, you know, another mini talk tour called the swing thought tour. Um, yeah. a lot of these mini tours, you know, if you get hot and win one or two have exemptions into corn fairy events, or maybe even smaller events, um, play well there. And, and then, you know, maybe you get temporary status. So, um, for those people and, you know, that don't really know about it, um, you can get hot and you can have some success and get yourself on, you know, f- kind of graduated per se from a mini tour to a corn fairy event uh, within yeah. the realm of like a month, you know, if you're having a, a consistent hot month, which in the, I feel like in the realm of professional sports is a, is a really quick turnover of, of getting yeah. to a higher level like that. Right. Yeah. And golf's kind of golf is special in that way, but also, it's unique. Like, you know, if you have a season going, your life can change with one good week or like your whole perception on your, your year. Like if it's going good or bad, it can change with one good week. And I even have, um, a friend of mine who's well ahead of me in professional golf. He 
he's been through the Corn Fairy. He's had his PGA card before. Um, so, I mean, he's certainly played at a really high level, but the first time he kind of got the run and was able to make it up to the PGA, he can walk back through his tournaments and say that this one particular putt to make the cut by one shot, it was like this 25-foot putt down a slope. I mean, he's, he remembers like it was yesterday kind of thing. He said, that putt changed my life. Because like he makes that putt, he makes the cut, he makes enough money to get into this event, he plays well in that event. You know, he gets an invite to this tournament. Next thing you know, he's in on the Corn Ferry or whatever, and he wins, and he gets his PGA card, and it's like, whoa! I mean, yeah, holy you know, crap! You, <laughs> when like that one, that one little good thing is going to happen, that's going to spark, you know, some serious momentum. So. Yeah, I feel like in golf, especially over any other sport, it is a huge game of momentum, uh, yeah. especially for the guys like yourself grinding, um, getting tour, you know, status exemptions into different things. Um, momentum, especially uh, when you get to, you know, PGA Monday qualifiers or U.S. Open locals to sectionals to the U.S. Open, uh, a, a slight turn of momentum in your favor can turn into a huge snowball effect and really get your confidence. Because that I feel like at the end of the day, too, competing in a tournament environment like that is all confidence. And once you see one putt drop for a win, even at the smallest of levels, it just has like a resonating feel on you. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. And golf is so mental – you know, even other over other sports that like it can have that much more of an impact if you're seeing the ball go in the hole or seeing your shots, you know, track the target like you want them to. And your physical game doesn't even matter as much anymore. Like if you're if you're 100 percent in your mind about what you're doing, like nothing can stop you i mean <laughs> yeah commitment is everything at the end of the day so no that's exciting uh we're definitely looking forward to following along you know through the 2020 season and, and seeing where you go how you play um seeing your consistent grind uh i know um where can people find you other than your instagram page to maybe follow along with you know your blogs your journey and stuff like that yeah so uh i'm gonna try I'm trying to start separating my content a little bit. So um, Instagram, I mean, that's certainly kind of a home base for me. That's kind of where I'm, I'm just creating the most content and that touches on everything. But kind of as I move forward with this year, like, you know, I want my, I'd like Instagram, it's still going to be home base, but I want it to be focused on kind of the day to day, the training and the practice and, the mindsets and all that I am working on putting some content up on YouTube. That'll be kind of like tournament to tournament. And it'll just be videos of just me talking like directly to the followers, sharing inside about, you know, the minutiae details of I'm spending this much money at this tournament on these things. And just giving like being total, totally honest, totally transparent with, all the in, inside about professional golf in that way. And then the blog, I mean, I, I, I need to get on a better pattern anyways with that, but uh, you know, I, I still want to the choir there. <laughs> <laughs> I still want that to be, um, you know, just talking about subjects that are in the golf world and 
talking about things about, you know, where the sport is going, where it's evolving to. Um, but also, you know, as much as I can promote just honest content through that as that's kind of the whole goal is just to be super real and, you know, kind of unedited. I just want to be putting out raw content. That's not trying to make it look like I live in a different world, but you know, I just want to be like somebody that's pushing hard and inspiring to other people. Like even, you know, I find inspiration through other people outside of golf. I hope that somebody outside of golf looks at my story and thinks, man, you know, that's inspiring. That's look at that guy working hard or, you know, not giving up. Let's apply those concepts to what I'm, what I'm into over here. So that's kind of the. Yeah. I, it's evident. It's obvious. Uh, It's why I followed you. It's why, you know, we had you on. It's uh, you've been inspiring to me to kind of just see the grind and to see how hard you're working to make your dreams at least become an opportunity, you know, uh, yeah, they're they're not obviously fulfilled yet, but they're you're working towards it. You're at least putting in the effort to put yourself in the okay. position to make those things happen. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much. I mean, it's been super cool to be on here, but I really appreciate you guys following along and you know giving me shout outs and you know hopefully all of this continues. It's been cool listening to the content you guys are putting out. I always enjoy hearing people talk about the world of golf and just all the, all the pieces of it that don't get shown on golf channel or yeah. <laughs> broadcast and there's a, there's, there's a funny story that it's like, uh, you know, Instagram is the highlight reel. And I feel like you break that mentality because everything for you is raw. Everything for you is, Hey, I'm up at 3.30 going to work at the warehouse and I'm fitting in a 20 minute practice session. Cause that's all I got today. It's not pretty, but that's all I got today. And you know, it's, it's a constant reminder of here's what it actually takes. And you know, it's not just the guys out there on tour um, that is professional golf. It's, it's guys like you that are constantly grinding and, you know, I, I don't mean to say this to diminish, but it's like, you're one of hundreds and thousands of guys oh, yeah. busting their tails to try and make professional golf a reality. Yeah. Um, but that's the best part about it is there's so many guys out there that do the work. Um, it's fun to see what you're pro- you know, promoting out there of the hard work, the, the grind, the, the weight training, the work that, t- you know, is away from golf. That is just everything that goes into you know, the lower level professional side of golf. And that's what we love talking about. That's what we, we love getting the grinders on and, uh, you know, getting their story out there. So thanks again, man. Uh, you know, for our, for our listeners, they can follow you at Smith underscore golf on Instagram. Uh, link to his blog website is there as he was talking about right there on Instagram. Uh, it's the bright highlighter yellow uh, Instagram logo, so you can't miss it. But before we go, I got to ask you, your, your logo there, the Smith Golf logo, what made yep. you come up with that? How'd you get that? I, I like it. It's, it's, uh, it's different. It sticks out. Yeah. Um, so my mom is an interior decorator. She's done, worked in the design world for a long time, and that's just – something that she's so good at and has like amazing talent in. And so uh, she really helped me along with getting out this idea of the logo. I knew I wanted something that was bold um, and something that looked, you know, that had some sort of golf aspect to it. Uh, But that was honestly all that I could, I didn't know how to like put that into a design or put that on paper. And so I give total credit to my mom for 
coming out with this idea and then, you know, making it something that is marketable and that's, that's super cool. I think it's really cool. I like how sharp it is and looking uh, at it now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's smooth. It's a couple golf clubs, a T in an yeah. E in an E pattern. Uh, you know, especially in the in the bright, bright yellow. I think it just speaks to who you are, your mentality and uh how you represent yourself. So no, I love it, man. And uh thank you. You know, just thanks again for taking the time out on, on, on this evening to join us. So uh, you know, looking forward to getting this out to the listeners. So Thanks Absolutely. again, Ethan. And, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll definitely keep up with you in the summer and hopefully keep contact and, uh, maybe check back in with you as, as the summer progresses and you get into some tournament play. We'll get yeah, like a midpoint. Awesome, <laughs> <Yeah>. awesome <laughs> guys. So well, again, that is, uh, that's Ethan Smith, professional golfer, uh, absolute grinder. And, uh, please go follow him on Instagram, follow his story. He's a great follow. And if you need any kind of inspiration to get your butt in gear, and get the work done. Uh, he's a guy to follow. So, uh, as always, you know, thank you for listening. You can find us at Enjoy the Walk Pod on Instagram. Uh, you can definitely interact with us on there. Tell us what you think about the shows. Uh, feel free to email us with questions. We love talking to all of our listeners and getting their input on what you know they think about the golf scene. So. Enjoy the walk 19 at gmail.com. Feel free to email us there. And as always, www.enjoythewalk.store for our latest merch. And uh, you guys, we just released tees, t shirts, golf tees, um, golf balls, logo golf balls, logoed. Uh, we got microfiber towels back in stock. So, guys, check us yes, out. Sir. Really appreciate any and all the support we've got already. And we're really close to that 1K giveaway. So if you haven't entered, go enter that giveaway, please. It's an awesome deal with Cut Golf, Stinger Golf, and some of our own apparel. So without further ado, guys, that's the episode for this week. And as always, get out there, carry your clubs, and enjoy the walk. Enjoy the walk. One shot at a time.